The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Good afternoon. Welcome to the second day of our non-residential weekend retreat. I wanted to start this afternoon, again, there's a schedule posted, but I reserve the right to muck with it. Um, what I wanted to do to, today was to, is to start with a little bit of a review from yesterday uh, of the basic instructions, and then um, check in with you about if there's any questions um, Having practiced yesterday, perhaps gone home and played with it some last night and this morning, just to see if there's any questions, and then we'll go into a, um, another period of sitting. So just in terms of a recap, you know, the, the instructions of this style are very, very simple. The four-word acronym, or not even acronym, but just the four words, relax, Observe, allow, and learn. So relaxation is as the beginning, how we begin the practice. So relaxing the body, relaxing the mind. This creates the conditions for a natural observation. We could say receptivity. That's the word I was using this morning in the talk. Receive experience as opposed to directing the attention. As we relax the mind, there can be a very natural receptivity of just knowing what's happening. And so relax and receive, relax and observe, relax and know what's happening. In that relaxed observing, the way that we make effort is um, an important part of the practice. In a lot of practices, the way we make effort is by directing the attention, by choosing what to put our attention on. In this practice, the way we make effort is by just simply gently reminding ourselves to be aware, moment after moment, beginning to know and understand how often to remind ourselves to be aware. So, am I aware? Taking a moment to recognize that aspect of experience. Again, as, as I said yesterday, as we notice that, as we recognize, am I aware? Or even think of asking the question, we usually are aware. And so we might wonder why to ask the question, but it's an important part of the practice in terms of beginning to become familiar with the experience of awareness itself. We check in, am I aware? And that orients our minds towards the experience of awareness towards the experience of awareness itself, not awareness of an object, but just the experience of being aware. So checking in with that question, we begin to recognize what it means to be aware. It may not happen immediately, um, and it can take some time for us to get familiar with the experience of awareness. But it begins to orient the mind to be curious about that. Am I aware? How do I know that I'm aware? What's the experience of awareness? And then what's obvious in that awareness? With awareness present, it's paying attention to something. And this was a big part of what I talked about this morning, that um, often in meditation we direct the attention, but here we are settling back and seeing what is awareness already paying attention to. 
It may or may not be clear in that moment. It may be very clear if there's a strong sound or a strong body sensation or something happening, an emotion happening that's very clear. It may be very clear what we are observing in that moment. But at other times, and I was actually playing with this this morning as I was sitting at breakfast, I was like, I'd relax and know that I was aware. And often, actually, the very first thing, and I've been doing this for a long time, and so there's, I have a lot of um, familiarity with a lot of different kinds of experiences, but often the very first thing that I was aware of as I relaxed was just a kind of diffuse feeling through the body. It wasn't something specific. Am I aware? Ah, yes. And it was actually a lot in the, in the torso, you know, just kind of this feeling, a very, um, not a very specific feeling, but a kind of a nebulous feeling. That was the very first thing that was present with that awareness. And then the mind began to recognize some other things like sights and sounds. So the practice of receptive awareness, we begin to get familiar with Experiences that we're maybe not immediately familiar with recognizing. And so as we become aware and know, am I aware? Ah, yes, I'm aware. It may not be like really, really obvious what it is that we're aware of, but that's okay. Just know that you're aware at that point. Both the awareness itself and the various kinds of objects, kinds of experiences that we can begin to become familiar with in that awareness will slowly over time begin to to clarify themselves. The continuity of the awareness, which is where the concentration comes into this practice, is really where the, uh, the clarity begins to come from. The more continuous the awareness is, the more, um, we begin to be uh, able to see much more in terms of relationships between experiences, how, how emotions impact thoughts, how thoughts impact emotions, how emotions impact body sensations, how body sensations impact our moods. We, we begin to see this whole interweaving of experience. The more continuous the awareness gets. But as we start out, we're just beginning. We're just beginning that little tap tap, tapping of the hoop that I described yesterday, you know, the little, just reminding ourselves gently to be aware. And the momentum of awareness is still a little weak. And so that's where we're working to begin, is to begin to establish that momentum of awareness. Just the reminding ourselves to be aware. When the momentum of the awareness becomes established more, the the mindfulness itself begins to see more. We don't actually have to try to see more. It becomes, the the experiences become more clear just because the continuity of mindfulness is strengthening. So that's a little bit about relax, observe, or relax, receive. And then allow. This is pointing to the attitude of our practice. We're exploring moving in the direction of allowing whatever's happening to happen probably not going to be there right away so we begin to explore the things that are in the way of the allowing relationship we can do this by checking in what's our relationship to experience what's the attitude 
what else is happening? Something that might be kind of hidden in the background of our mind that's filtering how we're paying attention to experience but is not so obvious to us. So we can check in. What's the attitude? Oh, I like something that's happening. I want more of it. I want that to happen more. Or I don't like that. I want to get rid of it. This beginning to reveal some hidden attitudes in the mind. As we become aware of hidden attitudes through this simple check, you know, what is my relationship to experience? The next thing there to do is just to observe what's obvious. As, we, as it becomes clear, ah, oh, there's this attitude of frustration that's happening right now. Just notice what's obvious having had the frustration become known. There's nothing in particular to do with that frustration except to know that that is also something that we are aware of. We don't have to focus on it, but, but know that it's there and know you begin, what will happen, you'll begin to notice how it impacts your experience. You'll begin to see also the difference. One, one of the big things, that, the shifts that I've seen is the difference between when that frustration is in the back of the mind, kind of directing the attention and deciding that we're frustrated and that things need to change, versus when that frustration is actually known. There's often a shift that's, that's oh, that's what's going on. There's this thing happening in my body and I'm frustrated. And as we become aware of that, we may begin to sense a little bit of a shift. So noticing the difference, noticing how our experience shifts as we become aware of what's actually going on. It's like as our minds align with what's really happening, often there's a little bit of relaxation and releasing around it. That frustration in this example, that frustration that we've become aware of is no longer kind of like, as I've been saying, driving the bus. Instead, there is this attitude of, oh, there's frustration happening. I can simply know frustration. That allowing attitude is more in charge, in a way. And with that allowing attitude, we we see there's a, a different feeling to the whole experience. And so we start to see that as those... Attitudes become known. There's often a shift so that we're no longer feeling quite so caught or quite so driven by those attitudes. I want to also say something about the wandering mind, exploring the, you know, noticing how to work with that, the wandering mind when we get lost in thoughts, as it will happen. Um, And especially for those of you for whom this practice is unfamiliar, it can often feel like the mind wanders a lot more because there's an unfamiliarity to the practice. This This happens all the time when we do something unfamiliar in meditation, even if we do something like switch from sitting on the floor to sitting in a chair. If we, do, if, we, if we switch our posture, if we switch something that's familiar, often we find that the mind will wander a little bit more. And so if you're shifting from a practice of directing the attention to receiving, there's probably going to be a little more mind wandering. This doesn't mean that it's not a practice that, cannot, that, that might serve you. 
It's just a very simple phenomenon that happens as we um, explore something new. And so the um, working with the wandering mind, while the mind is wandering, not much to do, just the mindfulness will return at some point. At that moment, when the mindfulness returns, that moment is particularly interesting to get familiar with because right there, you have become familiar with or you have become aware without making the effort to become aware. So right there is a real pointer to what a less effortful kind of awareness feels like if you can be available for that moment when mindfulness returns and not judge or feel like I was doing something wrong because my mind wandered, but just, oh, mindfulness returned and, and whew, look, it's like the light comes on. I didn't have to do that moment. It was very effortless. The awareness that arises when the mind simply returns from wandering, an effortless moment of mindfulness. And so familiarity with that moment for a couple of things. One, that uh, it begins to point out what actually awareness is. Because in that moment, we can begin to get interested in what's the difference between the mind in wandering mode, not connected to experience, and the mind being present. We can't be fully aware of what it's like when the mind is not aware. But in that moment when the mindfulness returns, there's a lingering memory of what that state was. And so we can begin to get a sense of what is, it, what is the difference. A moment where mindfulness is not there and a moment where mindfulness is there begins to highlight the experience of awareness itself, of that mindfulness itself. So there's that piece of that um, arising moment of mindfulness getting familiar with the, the mindfulness itself. The other piece of it is the effortless quality of that. Just recognizing, oh, this is what it's like to be aware without trying so hard. And then as that, I'll take questions in a minute, yeah. As that, um, as that awareness returns, notice what's obvious. Actually, you're already back. There's not much to do in that moment other than just to continue. Oh, awareness is back. What's obvious? Awareness is here. What's obvious? We may notice a kind of a pull to the pattern of thinking that had been there. If that's the case, it can be helpful to check in and recognize, you know, what kind of an impact does that thinking have on my experience? The mind returns from wandering. Thoughts have an amazing creative power in our experience and they can create tension they can create frustration they can create a lot of emotions and so in the moment when mindfulness returns checking in what has been the impact of the mind wandering on the present moment experience that's really the question is what's obvious as mindfulness returns what's obvious but it can be helpful to be a little bit more directed about that if you're feeling a pull to the thinking What's obvious in the body? How did that thinking process impact the body? What emotions are happening right now? So a little bit more directed in terms of checking into what emotions in body are happening as a result of the thinking. If you found that there's been some, um, some tension created while the mind has been wandering, in that moment of 
noticing that you're aware and what's obvious, if you notice tension, it can be helpful at that moment to just reconnect with this process of relaxation. Just let your body relax again. Let your mind relax again. And then just begin to connect again to that simple receptive mindfulness. Relax, observe, allow. I'll talk about the learn part in a minute. I want to take some questions. So, And let's use the mic. Um, since I first started to raise my hand, uh, I think you've partially answered my question. Uh, my question was this. Um, uh, I could recognize in my own experience what you were just saying, how my mind goes off, it's wandering, wool gathering, uh, and then awareness snaps in to place effortlessly. It just happens. So my question was going to be, at that time, once I have some awareness and start to have some choice again, what do you think about the idea of saying, okay, now I'm going to make an effort to remain aware? In that moment, that, that is an option. You know, that actually when we have awareness, when awareness arises, that's the basic work that, you know, as Sayadaw Utejaniya says, the only work we give ourselves is to remind ourselves to be aware. But it's, it's a light touch of that effort. And so, yes, in that moment, am I, I'm, I'm aware what's obvious. And then the next moment is, am I aware? That just little gentle prompting, am I aware? Am I aware? That's the, that's the effort to continue awareness, to continue practicing awareness. So it seems like there's a couple of options. One is a harder effort, a little bear, bit of bearing down, which I think can be useful sometimes. And the other is a softer, like just notice trying to just notice the texture well I think that the the, what I'd say in this practice the emphasis is is if you're making harder effort it's not about harder effort in a moment it's about more frequent reminding still a very light touch but just aware 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 as opposed to aware aware but it's still very light. But the, the frequency, so it's, it's not like aware. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's aware, aware, aware. So the light touch but more frequent is the, the way we make stronger effort in this practice. And then these light touches of awareness, would it, could your choice of what to be aware of be wide? Like breath or just overall chitta feeling or the aware um, of being aware the exploration in this practice is to be receptive as opposed to directed and so i'm aware what's here what's naturally here we could choose and sometimes it's helpful to choose body or breath or sound or something uh, if if we feel that hanging out and oh aware what am I aware of and, and and it's it's a little bit nebulous and not possible to just simply settle back and receive kind of like this morning I gave the example of hearing you settle in and you just like listen to the symphony of sounds versus choosing to pay attention to one instrument or something, or one particular sound. And so in that uh, awareness, in, in this style of practice, we're definitely in a more receptive mode, unless there is 
um, I'd say this is the direction the practice heads to the receptivity. But there are definitely times when whatever is arising, like if if you just come back from a thought and the pull to thought is really strong, probably helpful to pick something. Okay, yep, I feel like I'm going to go right into that, that, that rabbit hole of thought again. So let me pick something. Let me put my attention in my feet or let me put my attention in my breath. So we use the directed attention from time to time in this practice to help us to uh, remain aware when necessary. Great. Thank you. Lots of questions. Okay. We, may, we, we were changing the schedule already. <laughs> we'll <laughs> try it. Keep it quick. Um, so earlier in my practice, I would find myself in daily life trying to be present and so connecting with the breath and the body even while having oh maybe it is on um maybe hold it more hello there you go okay um so trying to be present by connecting to the breath or the body uh so always like taking myself away from whatever content of the emotion or thought was uh now i've been trying to practice as you mentioned yesterday and using like that 50-50 method also as much as possible. And I find myself, uh, like say driving car, going to a grocery store in that moment, it's amazing. Like I'm, re- I'm seeing these thought patterns in me that I kind of knew, but I was like, whoa, <laughs> right? Like these stories I tell myself. Now the question is that... Okay, I'm aware of this story that I'm telling myself in my background thoughts. And I'm seeing this need to actually like sit with this story and like reflect because there's some deep content mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. about something very intrinsic to how I function. But then I'm in the grocery store. Yeah. So I I understand when we are in retreats or when we are doing like these samadhi practices that I have like this this vast space to do that. How do you do that in this daily life? So this is great. I mean, I'm I'm so happy you kind of saw this. I mean, just how much is available to be seen. Sounds like you were surprised by seeing this in daily life. And in the midst of activity, we just kind of stay in that space of awe, of like, Oh my gosh, look at what the mind is doing. Okay. And having it become available, you know, if you're not aware of it, it's making a lot of choices for you. It's kind of running the show. And so at least even becoming aware of it is very powerful. You know, just that little, that shift of becoming aware of it makes it more possible for us not necessarily to act on it in the moment. And so as we're, as we're going through the day, we kind of just do the best we can with staying present and noticing this incredible, basically conditioned phenomenon of this mind and what it's presenting. And yeah, I think awe is a good word for it. It is awesome. <laughs> Indeed, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, when we become aware of it, it doesn't have to be awful because it's no... I mean, it's, it's humbling. Humbling is a good word for it. Humbling is a good word for it. 
at times during your day, I mean, we, we are in the midst of our day and we just get to watch this. We're, we're learning, first of all, we're learning about what our minds do under the covers, kind of like, you know. <laughs> and, um, and it's being revealed. It's like we're pulling back the cover and seeing the mess that's there in the midst of our day. First of all, it's more powerful than you think to just know it's there over time because there's a way that the, um, uh, the knowing of that, I mean, you begin to feel the, the dukkha of it, the suffering of it. And because you're actually aware of the suffering of it, the mind begins to kind of gravitate. Fortunately, our minds are created in a way, our minds and bodies are put together in a way that they do not want to suffer. When they understand what's creating the suffering, they begin to kind of learn how to let go of those patterns. And so even just simply over and over again recognizing this pattern is happening again, this pattern is happening again, the mind begins to learn how to let go of it. So that's one piece, patience over time. It is a long haul, this practice. And then, having seen something that is so powerful and so conditioned, yesterday I mentioned... um, talking, I think it was in answer to a question, somebody said, is it helpful sometimes to bring something up in a meditation? And so later in the day, maybe when you have some space, you're not in the midst of the grocery store, not in the midst of a conversation with somebody, when you have some time, it might be helpful to let yourself recall some of those thoughts and then sit in the feelings, begin to investigate what's happening here so that, that there's a little bit of a way you can begin to blend the investigation at a time when you have time for it. So that would be like consciously recalling something. It's using reflection, consciously recalling something that came up during the day and letting yourself, uh, not a lot, I mean, you don't have to take a lot of time actually, maybe 20, 30 seconds to recall something and then there'll be uh, some response and just sit with that response. It's kind of like um, what we're doing in that scenario. And I'd recommend to start to just let your mind get a little bit quiet first. And then it's like what you're doing in calling up that memory. You've let the pond, you've let like the pond of your mind get a little bit still. And then what you're doing in calling up that memory is like you're dropping in a stone. You're allowing something to enter that stillness. But because there's a little bit of stillness, you get to see the ripples. And so you're just watching the ripples. You're not trying to figure it out. You're not trying to get rid of it. You're trying to learn what comes up. What are the, maybe some of the deeper undercurrents that are there along with that. You may learn something about, you know, how it was related to something from childhood or, you know, familiar, very familiar feelings. And to just get familiar with those two, the feelings that are associated with these habitual patterns, what I see happening over time is that getting familiar with the feelings, it's like these familiar feelings of who we are. You know, we don't notice them so much because they're just so familiar. But when we start to attune ourselves to them and the suffering of them, 
those two begin to kind of wake us up in daily life. I would say at this point, the biggest thing that wakes me up in daily life is suffering. And it can be very, very subtle. Just this little clench of familiar, like, oh, I feel so sorry for myself that I hurt my back. That's familiar. Okay. Just knowing that. And so there's a lot of patience in the relax, observe, allow, learn in its own time. And a lot of learning can actually happen in daily life, as you saw, actually. You know, what's available to be seen is way more than we think when we're in this receptive mode. You know, when we're directing the attention, as I said this morning, it's like we're, we're, we're screening things out. We're not available for what else might be, what might be there. And so there's a lot of capacity in our daily lives to see a lot of things. So I hope that's helped. <laughs> yeah. uh, when I, is this on? Um, so I've, I've been doing this uh, for a few months since I was in another uh, uh, session with you about this topic. And um, I've gotten to where when I come out of a thought and back into open awareness, uh, it's sometimes quite, quite striking, the difference, um, to the point where I'm now noticing that something trying to drive me back into thoughts is this sort of overstimulation, a sort of a sensory overload. Um, I mean, it can be mind-blowing to wake up like that when you're out on a hike in a beautiful place. Uh, but even then I can feel it, uh, that there's something overstimulated maybe. So uh, you feel a little bit of like, wow, there's too much to take in here? Yeah. So the little bit of overwhelm yeah. happens. Yeah. So yeah. as you become aware and see, wow, I mean, and this also happens, I think, sometimes as we, we start to see just how much is there, and it's like our mind reels, it's like... We try to track it all in some way. And if you can just settle back and recognize, whew, a lot is happening. You know, just not try to know the specifics. And, and recognize um, whatever that attitude is of overwhelm. Is it fear, anxiety, confusion? Just see if you can touch in. So in that moment, I would suggest checking your relationship, checking your attitude as the, as the awareness returns. You know, the nearest thing I, uh, like that I can think of is if I've had too much coffee. You know, it's just so kind almost of like overstimulated. Yeah. Um, so, so notice that that's happening. And then if, you, if it feels like, it, like you, you, like you want to like flee from that, then you might just gently pick something to let the mind kind of come to a little more containment just for a few moments to, oh, okay, let me just come to my feet just for a few moments and then, and see if you can then gently open again. Sometimes it can be too much. So this is, this may be a case where picking something might help you to stabilize again, as opposed to fleeing, (laughs) fleeing from the overwhelm. Yeah. Not, I'm not aware of a, an urge to flee so much as I, I sort of sense that that's sometimes driving me into thoughts. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, in that case, it's probably very interesting to see if you can hang out in the space. Yeah, if you can hang out in the space of that jangliness. 
and begin to um, you know, see what's there as, as much as you can. I mean, just get familiar with that. If that's a kind of habitual place from which your mind tends to go, then it can be really interesting to start to get familiar with it for as long as it's possible. It may get a little overwhelming, and in, in which case, again, picking something more stable, more uh, contained for a little while. But it sounds like it might be useful to actually let yourself hang out in that space for a little while and notice how it feels. Yeah. Yeah, there's, okay, let's see. Is there somebody on this side of the room? Okay, one, one over there, then we'll come back over here. Well, I think you may have answered my question, but I kind of wanted to ask about it. Uh, you suggested yesterday at the end of the session we might consider some homework options. So I decided to investigate this while driving, both home and then later in the evening. And uh, it was surprisingly helpful. Driving is good for being mindful because it focuses your attention. <laughs> um, but it's also routine, so your mind wanders. My mind wandered to an email I needed to write, and something got my attention, and I came back. But um, I said, I'm here, and, and tried to look at the difference in my mind, and then I couldn't get it to wander. <laughs> I was driving. <laughs> so, and so I, I, I did what I think he suggested yesterday. I tried to force my mind back to that email, and it sort of worked a couple times. Um, it, Why were it, you trying to force your well, mind? I was trying to see that, that change yeah, again. The best, the best place to see that change is when the mind naturally returns from wandering, and you get plenty of opportunities for that. You don't need to try to create them. Well, I, I, I understand. I, it was just that, like I say, I was driving, so I was pretty mindful, uh-huh. mostly. But then I wanted to get that to go on. The, the question I kind of had was that when I would come out of wandering, um, I could observe. And so then I'd try to allow my mind to wander again. And when it came out, I, could, I had the impression at some point yesterday we were supposed to observe while the mind was wandering. And I couldn't do that at all. <laughs> It, it is possible to observe the mind while thinking. Um, I'd say, I guess, the one thing that you cannot be mindful of is non-mindfulness. Everything else you can be mindful of. Um, and so habitually we get into certain states in which we are habitually not mindful. That includes things like thinking. Um, That includes things like sleepiness or drowsiness or spacing out. Those states in in and of themselves are not inherently connected with non-mindfulness. So we can begin to um, get familiar with what it feels like to be aware while thinking. That's that's what I was pointing to. And and we can also begin to get a feeling of... um, what it feels like for the mind to begin to kind of lose touch a little bit with the present moment. It's like there's a, a point where there's a little bit of mindfulness, but not a lot of clear mindfulness. And at that point, we can kind of begin to get familiar with the kind of, oh, the mind's kind of losing touch with, with what it's paying attention to or with being attentive. And we can get familiar with that feeling so sometimes, for instance, I've played with 
um, no, this is more when the mind gets more settled, but watching, um, you know, being aware, being present, and then seeing kind of the mind kind of moving into some state in which it's habitually not aware, like spacing out. So, example of this. I was eating breakfast one day and paying attention to the eating. I was directing the attention to the eating my mind was saying, I'm doing eating meditation, so this is what you pay attention to, the lifting of the fork, the putting in the mouth, the chewing, all of that stuff. So I, had, I was directing the attention. But the mind kept spacing out, and, and it kept kind of uh, just getting lost, non-mindful while spacing out. And I noticed that, and when uh, the mindfulness woke up into that, I would come back and pay attention to the eating. But at some point, I began to recognize the mind kind of losing touch with paying attention to eating. It was just, it was like letting go of that. Instead of saying to myself, well, what I should be doing is paying attention to eating, I got curious, more like, oh, I'm aware while the mind is losing touch with that. Let's see where it wants to go. And so at that point, the mindfulness was strong enough that it could follow the attention into spacing out and be fully mindful of the state of spacing out. It was a very restful place. It was a very peaceful place. It was a pleasant experience. It was a kind of a... It was kind of checked out of sense stimulation. I felt somewhat distant or removed from sense experience. I allowed that experience to be present, and then it passed that state of what I would typically call spacing out past, spacing out without, with awareness instead of without mindfulness, that state passed, and then there was a, a the, the, the attention kind of returned into being connected with the sense world, and it was very clear at that point, and just available to be present for sights and sounds and smells. And so that's, that's a case where we can start to watch the mindfulness leave what we think we're supposed to be paying attention to into terrain in which we're unfamiliar. So that's, I think, what, what you heard when, I said, when you thought I said, pay attention to the wandering mind. Yes, but I have kind of a beginner's question because I'm new to this technique. And many things you're talking about sound like where I hope to be in a couple hundred hours. Um, you can get is there it, faster than you think. Well, I hope. Is it reasonable, <laughs> as uh, being new to this technique, to look at these steps as kind of sequential? Well, I can relax. That's usually pretty easy. Well, maybe not when I'm driving. Um, I can allow my mind to wander. That's really easy. And when it stops, I can observe and learn. Uh, the, the difficulty I'm having, new to this, I'm having difficulty with even thinking I can do some concurrency here as separate steps they seem good for a beginner does that make sense well so the relaxing the the I would I would let go of allowing the mind to wander it's more what we're exploring is allowing what's here to be here with presence of mind Um, the relaxation is a step that allows us to to be more easily present and so the observing piece is an important piece. The, the, um, the, I would say the relax, observe, and allow we can think of as three separate steps. 
the, the learning piece is nothing that we do. It begins to happen. We don't try to learn. Actually, we're learning machines anyway. You know, you look at a baby, and it's kind of in the world. It's doing its thing, it's, and it's learning really a lot. And so the learning, when we put ourselves into the relax, observe, allow, the learning will happen. But it's helpful to have a sense of curiosity around that. I would encourage to start the, the first three, maybe thinking of them a little bit as sequential, relax, observe, and then check the relationship from time to time. That's the basic tools for this practice. And as you play with those, the continuity of mindfulness will get stronger very naturally. And uh, there's a lot that's learned in this whole process, too. So you, it sounds like you already saw something about the waking up yesterday. I think driving is a great time to practice this, actually, because <laughs> <laughs> your mindfulness is forced back on you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, over here. One of the places I'm noticing that I lose awareness is um, that I want to change is when I'm going on uh, my exercise walks like at Edgewood or Pogus Ridge. And there's this gorgeous environment and I'm thinking about my job or something. And I wondered, what I've been trying to do is something I haven't heard you talking about in this session is the now I'm aware of, and then at the end of that phrase, see what I'm aware of. And that seems to be something that helps me um, stay in this world instead of some other world. I think this is happening. My hypothesis is this is more like when I'm marching up the hill, and there's a part of the mind that really doesn't want to be aware of how much work that is, and so it takes off. So I wanted your opinion on that approach, I guess. Yeah, the, the using now I'm aware of is, it's a, it's a variant in effect on, you know, am I aware, what am I aware of? It's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's bringing in those two pieces. And so that's fine if that's, if that's useful for you to just keep that going. And then in that moment, now I'm aware of, whew. It, it's just that that's a prompting. It's like a reminding yourself to be aware. That's a way to remind yourself to be aware. Yeah. So that's fine. <laughs> and then, was there one more? Yeah. Um, so yesterday when I was taking a walk, um, everything, I think like somebody was mentioning everything was kind of really beautiful and I was really relaxed and it, you know I was hearing and seeing everything um, today when I was also taking a walk there was this kind of underlying anxiety agitation and I, and I, beca- I was aware of that state but, and then when I tried to bring in all the sounds and the sights and everything it, it brought a lot of tension yeah. a lot of kind of agitated more so I'm just wondering, is it better to just first stay with the anxiety? So in that case, it sounds like that's what the attention was naturally noticing. So when you opened up, what am I aware of? 
you notice that underlying agitation. And if you're trying to do something else while that's happening, that might bring in some additional agitation. And so you, you can, um, it depends. If that anxiety gets overwhelming, then doing something to take your attention away from it can be useful. But it sounds like actually it was more agitating to try to, to do that. And so, yeah, I mean, just to notice, oh, this is what it's like to be anxious while taking a walk. This is, this, is, this is what it's like. And if you can stay with that, you might notice, uh, you know, it's like, oh, and can I be okay with that? Can I allow that? What's my relationship to being anxious while taking a walk? Well, I don't like it. Okay, well, there's anxiety and I don't like it. Can I be okay with that? Can I allow that? So just opening to what's obvious um, this is, I think, an often something that happens that we, we think what opening to what's obvious means finding sights and sounds as opposed to really just opening to what's obvious. Be what's the attention naturally gravitated towards? And so in that case, in this case, it sounds like it was the anxiety was kind of what, what was happening. Now, there can be a little bit of... Um, I was going to say a sense of needing to learn to trust that it's okay to actually just be aware of the anxiety. Um, One thing to begin to recognize for yourself is when you are aware of that anxiety, is it able to be held in a space where it feels like, "Hmm, yeah, this is okay, I can know this. So is there that allowing kind of space? If it can be held in that allowing space, then it's not going to be reconditioning itself or digging itself into a hole. But sometimes when we bring our attention or become aware of something like anxiety, it's like there's anxiety about anxiety and anxiety about anxiety about anxiety and anxiety. And it kind of just, it gets worse. And so we have to learn to discern for ourselves. Is that... Is it able, am I able to hold that with some sense of ease? And if so, continue. Just continue observing. If it feels like it's getting worse, then directing the attention, actually. You know, bringing, you know, dr- maybe contact with the feet on the ground or something. In this case, it actually doesn't sound like it was getting worse to know it. It was when you tried to not pay attention to it that it, it sounded like it got worse. Yeah, it was kind of like this, the overload, stimulus overload yeah. was feeding into it. Yeah, like, and, it, it, and, and it sounds like you were trying to do that part. Yeah. So that, just coming back to what's actually obvious, you know, what's obvious in the body, what's obvious in um, experience, you know, there's probably a little bit of sensation in the body around that. Yeah. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. And one last one. You had one? I thought I saw your hand up. Well, if people are using the, the, the hearing-assisted devices, it's helpful to use the mics. Yeah, I was just going to say we can keep moving. I don't want to delay the schedule. Um, it's on. Yes, so um, something came, came to me this morning as I was also driving, and I was frustrated because someone was going really, really slow, like less than 20 miles an hour, <laughs> and I couldn't pass him or her, I don't know, and... And suddenly, so I was 
in frustration, not mindful. And then suddenly I'm realizing, oh, I'm frustrated. And, and then I thought, I'm driving to a meditation retreat and I'm frustrated. <laughs> and I started to laugh. It was just like, I mean, am I going to just get frustrated for the next 20 minutes getting there? <laughs> I have time. And so um, the, the question that I, I was having is this was something that was pretty kind of easy and harmless, harmless right? Um, is there an advice on kind of practicing on simple things like this that could then help deal with bigger things? Absolutely. Practicing when it's not so hard. <laughs> Really helpful. Yeah, so when we find the small ways in which... And this actually, the the receptive awareness actually begins to reveal the small ways in which we, like, have frustration arise here or there or anxiety arise in small ways. And so as we can, you know, get familiar with those in the small, it supports our capacity to be with them as they get stronger, as they get... as they're bigger in our lives. So, yes. Yeah. So why don't we stand up and take a stretch and then we'll do a little sitting.